You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everyone. Kevin Goatee here from Gutting the Sacred Cow, you know, the podcast you're about to listen to. Wow, we had ourselves a hell of a discussion today with AC Rowe, who came in to try and take down the Wolf of Wall Street. Before we get to it, please, again, go to our social media, Gutting The on Twitter, and just give us a follow. Instagram, Gutting The Sacred Cow. Same for Facebook. Just like us. That's it. We put up polls. We try and do things besides promote the podcast. And please, yet again, go to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to us right now. Please, pause the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a quick one to three sentence review on how great we are. It really helps. We're trying to get the podcast numbers up so that way we can become more sexy to advertisers. And those suits on Madison Avenue go, hey, Kevin and Kevin, let's give those guys a few bucks so they can kind of get out of corporate America already. That's all we're asking. And now, on to the podcast. Gather around, here's what I know. Damn it, we're back again, gutting the sacred cow. I always do this. Is this episode eight now? Sound about right, right, Kevin? Yes, yes. Kevin Israel's back in the house. Today we are joined by AC Rowe. Hello, guys. What's Producer happening? Producer extraordinaire. Just living the dream, man. Sitting here with you guys in wonderful New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. New Jersey is wonderful. Isn't you it? Know, it's, I had somebody tell me the other day, it's like a place where people are disproportionately proud of something that's slightly better than mediocre. And I firmly agree with that. I've said in my life I'm living a B minus, so that sounds about right. <laughs> I just came back from Disney World, as I was talking before. It's so funny though. The Southern people, I know, since you're from the South, you're going to get a good laugh. It's like they all, wherever they travel, they always have to fly their colors in full fucking force. Oh, of course. Head to toe, Alabama. Of course, those are the gross people. LSU, yeah. garb, Georgia garb, and it's just. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm not wearing my Yankee stuff or my Giant stuff, whatever. I'm, I'm a fan, but I need to tote it out every two seconds. But they're just, you could just tell, and they're, and they're just, they're just the annoying. SEC producing the best of the best. Yeah. Well, and, you know, at the end of the day, and of course, now I, I'm a kid born in Arkansas, grew up in Louisiana, went to Ole Miss, and oh, lived in Alabama oh, for a long time. Um, but, how many Super Walmarts did you have in your neck of the woods? You know, I actually had. Does the, your alarm go? It does not, but. I, I have been to the very first Super Walmart ever. Worst humble brag I've heard all day. It, it, it is by far as unimpressive as you would think that it would absolutely be. But I bet be the people that. in it are really impressive. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's a place that, you know, it's funny. When I moved up to New York, people started asking me, they're like, did you go through culture shock when you moved here? I'm like, no, I go through culture shock when I go back <laughs> and see a Super Walmart. If I can't walk to the bodega, if I can't, you know, if I have to get in a car and drive somewhere, I do have a lot of stress and anxiety around that. It's amazing on the number, the amount of obese people zipping around on scooters and just you know expecting well, you to move out of the way, and they're just garbage people. I'm like this nation, like you can just saw off half this place, and no one's going to miss it. Well, in, in all fairness, Two, three fourths. In, in all fairness, half the people in New York are garbage obese too. And overweight, yeah. It's I mean, like, I think people as a whole are garbage. Regardless sure, of <laughs> no, no, I agree. It just, yeah. but it's more prevalent when you have that annoying accent, the overbearing twang. So, so <laughs> when, when you want to talk about annoying accents, though, and actually we're going to get into that a little bit today in the film that we're talking about. As AC has selected, The Wolf of Wall Street. Absolutely the worst movie of the last 15 years. Hands oh. down. The worst movie of the last 15 years. But one of the problems with it is not only Leo's accent, Margot Robbie's accent is so bad in there, it actually makes her unattractive and ruins what is undoubtedly one Mar of the there's another, Margo, Margo, there's another one. There's Margot another Robbie one. could be speaking with a stutter, a lisp. And a and a and and she could still and uh, put on a fantastic performance. So, so Mar Margot Robbie, hands down, that is the second best nude scene in the history of television or movies, only behind Sasha Wild Ale Things. Sasha Alexander in uh, in in Shameless. Disagree. What hey, Wild Things is amazing, but Sasha Alexander. Let's also forget not forget Shannon Elizabeth in American Pie. Oh, that, that's so solid. good. Well, we're, we're rounding out a good top five that I'm not going to fight with anybody. <laughs> yeah. over one five on the heterosexuality is. We'd, get, we'd be getting targeted for cancel culture, but no, that was one of the that we've had the, the last discussion we had. He was like, Kevin was saying, "Oh, Emma Stone is cute." I said, "Give me one film where she looked hot." He's like, uh, mm, uh, "No, there is no such thing because she's not hot." Hands, you, hands down, Emma Stone is not attractive. Thank you very much. Not attractive. Not attractive, not attractive at all. She so, is the new poor man's Beverly D'Angelo without the great tits. So, I, I, and another I, for a classic scene. I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not saying she's unattractive because beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and ugly is a fact. So she, she, she's not, it's not ugly as a fact. She's just not attractive. She's fine. She's not visually offensive. Right. Exactly. But Margot Robbie in this film goes exactly what I was telling him before. You have, when I say an actress's name, you have to spit out within a second of a film or just an absolute no brainer like this film is it. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We will get there. Now, we like to start off with a few segments. First of all, we're going to talk about some stats. Rotten Tomatoes, 82% by the audience. Ironically, IMDb, 8.2. $169 million domestically. 392 worldwide. Quotes. Do you have any quotes from this film, Kevin Israel? I've pulled out a couple. You know what? I don't off the top of my head. I, this wasn't this wasn't one of those quotable movies. I disagree. There are a few, but it's, listen, it's not Pulp Fiction. It's not Caddyshack. It's not Naked Gun quotable. But there are a few that stood out. This is the first one. Uh, well, one of them, I should say. The mm, 
Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good call. That's a good call. Good Second call. one, sell me this pen. That's a good one. Let me tell you something. There's no nobility in poverty. I've been a rich man, and I've been a poor man, and I choose rich every fucking time. And my other favorite one that's under the radar, what kind of a hooker takes credit cards? Oh, Bob I just Reiner. thought... Right. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of one. Yeah. When, uh, when Margot Robbie first walks in, and they're sitting there, and she, if one guy goes... I'd fuck her if she was my sister. And the other guy goes, I'd let her give me AIDS. Because <laughs> guys do that. We say like she's that. Like I, It's like I would lick her ass after a 25-mile mile run, whatever. You I'd know. suck a fart out of her ass. <sighs> Kevin Israel, where does this stand? First of all, your thoughts. Before you can break it down, thoughts on the film. Have you? Did you read the book? I did not read the book. I read the book. Five to seven times at least. Really? I love the book. I read this book long before it was announced as a film. My dad gave this book to me. He goes, read this. You're going to eat this alive. The back of the jacket said, now sold option rights to oh, Martin funny. Scorsese. Did the book match the movie? The, well, the book is damn near perfect with the film, really? which is an absolute rarity. Wow. A few a few made up. Well, I'll, get, I'll get into that in a bit. But it is probably one of the... Ten film the books that are just parallel with each wow, other. Wow! So they did. Scorsese did a great job with it. That so. Uh, your thoughts? You enjoy the film? Oh, did- I love this movie. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a fantastic, you know, quasi fictitious biopic. Biopic. Uh, biopic. Is it biopic or it's, biopic? No, it's biopic. Is it biopic? It's biopic. Um, we love correcting each other's grammars or, or questioning of word selection on this. <laughs> Is that a word? Especially um, when Jeffrey Paul sits in. God. Um, I, you know, I, any, I, I love, first of all, I love finance movies, par- partially because I don't understand anything about finance. And he's Jewish. Don't and forget this, that. And the scene where he starts explaining what they were doing there and why it was illegal. And then he goes, let's be honest. You guys don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> And I took, that was I was sitting there. I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. And then he said that. I was like, he's like reading my mind. I completely <laughs> agree. I also am a sucker for finance films. Wall Street, amazing. By the way, Boiler Room, this was the this inspiration was, yeah, for yeah. Boiler Room, which I love. Boiler Room, the Gen oh, X Wall Street. Such a great movie. Fantastic Look at this film. smile. Ear to fucking ear. Ear to, ear to fucking ear, baby. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I I thought it was great. It was It actually managed because a lot of quasi-biographical movies don't have full plots. You don't Correct. feel like... Like you get a, a little snapshot of whoever's life you're talking about, but this actually felt like you went from... Him, I thought the the start of him from where he was nothing to going to the Wall Street firm, the whole scene with McConaughey, him going into the the, the little shitty shop where he sells the, the penny stocks for five thousand dollars. Do you know that guy was who the head of that, that room was? If you sell if you sell this for five thousand dollars, I'll suck, suck your dick. dick. <laughs> Do you know who that guy no. was? Spike Jones. Was it? Yeah. Holy shit. I, yep. Yeah, I never put that together. Beastie Boys director of the film Three Kings. I, uh, I, I, I love this movie. I, I love, do. I love this movie. I also love this film. I saw this. Uh, it opened Christmas Day. I remember that. I saw it the day or two after Christmas with my parents because my dad, who hates mostly everything he sees, yes, my dad is one of two people who to hate who hates Pulp Fiction. He really doesn't get nuance and, and, and twi- he twists and turns. Science fiction, forget it. Yeah. He is out. But... That being said, he saw 
all the Downton Abbey episodes and saw it willingly to go with my mother the film when it came out a few months ago. Go figure. Greg's got culture sometimes. Anyway, I saw this opening uh, two days after opening with my parents. And nothing, nothing put a smile on my face, my, on my dad's face more than in the first three minutes of the film where Leo's getting the lap dance, me going, holy shit, that's Tracy Jane. Yes. Yeah. Tracy yeah. Jane is yep. a comic we know. Yep. I love her. She's on my show, Comics Watching Comics. Season two, I think she's on. And my dad looks over and goes, with a smile, goes, you know her? I'm like, I didn't do it. He goes, he goes I said, I, I didn't date her. This is what I was obviously with my wife now. I remember and, when she filmed that scene. Uh, oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah. She's a sweetheart and a peach, and you see uh, a good amount of her tit, too. So, yeah, uh, she was not scared. No, not at all. For a Scorsese part, you could see my A cups, yeah. A minus, B plus, whatever you want to call it. I will put my taint on TV for She's, this. Yeah. Scorsese film. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love this film. I've seen it multiple times. The bu- He has three books. The second book talks about when he was in prison and that life of being in prison and so on and so forth and the life he had to dig out afterward. The third book is his selling techniques and how it's all about reinforcement and just finding common Bases and just it's actually a very good book if you're a salesperson in your day job like I am. And he got a million bucks for this movie. Yeah, well, he said to pay a lot of people back. Yeah, he had a lot, a lot of, of people back. A lot of Owen. All right, kids. Now we're gonna watch the trailer for The Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made 49 million dollars, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. You know what a Fugazi is? Fugazi. It's a fake. Yeah, Fugazi, Fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. We don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money take you, Goose. Technically, you do work for me. What's wrong, Daddy? But what did you bring home? Oh, my God. FBI. Any kind of booze you might want? No, the Bureau forbids us from drinking. So follow me, you could about the door. I'm doing 500, I'm out of control. But there's nowhere to go. And there's no way to slow. If I knew what I knew in the past, I would have been like that on your... How does this actually work? There's a big money sign. They get launched at the time. They stick. Yeah. This is their gift, okay? They're built to be thrown like a lawn dart. One, two, three! Stop. Okay? Safety first. Safety Obviously. is safety is it. first. Okay. We don't want to get a bad reputation. Next segment called Five Fun Facts. Fine fact number one. Matthew McConaughey's mm, is his actual warm-up before he does any scene. And DiCaprio saw this and said, I want this in the movie. <laughs> so he had that in the film. Jordan Belfort, the name of DiCaprio's character, his cellmate, 
Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. No kidding. On a bullshit bong possession. Tommy like, was actually the guy who said, you need to go out and sell your story. So, like, Tommy, it, of all the reasons I want to like this movie, Tommy Chong being behind it and being Jordan's cellmate is one of the reasons I really want to like okay. this movie. I just can't get behind okay. this movie. Number three, Jonah Hill had to be hospitalized from all the vitamin B which he snorted, which, of course, was oh, the cocaine. Right. <laughs> Jonah Hill wanted to work with Scorsese so badly he showed his taint. No. He, <laughs> he took the sag minimum of $60,000 to do this film just to work with Scorsese. Wow. DiCaprio made $25 million, just to give you an idea. Who did Leonardo DiCaprio beat out for the bidding the bidding war for Jordan Belfort's rights? Who did he beat out? What Brad Pitt. You know it. We how are going to our next section. Mm. We do five. St- oh, you have Wait, a point. I, go, I have one more fact. Please do. Uh, Matthew McConaughey was so thin. Yes, he was. Emaciated because he was coming off Dallas, Dallas Sport Club. Buyers Club. Yep. And that was a hairpiece he was wearing, obviously. Oh. We like to do our five-star critic reviews, our one-star critic reviews, five-star audience reviews, and our favorite, the open micers, the one-star audience <laughs> reviews. Those are our favorites. Five-star critic reviews. Number one, The Wolf of Wall Street does not quite have the subtlety and richness of Scorsese's very best work, but what an incredibly exhilarating film. A deafening and sustained howl of depravity. Again, English lit majors are hard at work. <laughs> the Wolf of Wall Street is a magnificent black comedy, racist, fast, funny, and remarkably filthy. DiCaprio lives it up like the king of the world. I see what you did, you punny son of a bitch. New York Times, get him. Lives lives it up like the king of the world and swaggers into a staggering performance. Deplorable, hysterical, phenomenal. The Wolf of Wall Street spirals with sins and sizzles with exuberance. One-star reviews. There is no psychological insight, no moral insight, just no insight, full stop. And it palls after a while. Did my mom write that review? Yeah. It's like almost a lecture. The director of this film plagiarized Goodfellas but did a poor job. What? I'm going to let that sink in for a second. What? Yeah. Not half as interesting as the original. They're two different films. It's the same director. You can plagiarize from anybody, you cunt. Cuts a guy for a guy or a girl. Just ask people from England. Yes. Like a hyperactive three-year-old. Sure. For a little while, over-the-top antics and outrageous moments are cute. But after three hours, it becomes exhausting and annoying, leaving you simply waiting for it to be finally put to bed. That's how, what your wife says about sex. hey Oh, I'm sorry. This is the, uh, the user reviews. Okay. Five-star user reviews. So this is called from Amazon. This one, the first one, is all in cap, so this is why I'm Ah, screaming. You will see lots of actors, actress. Again, I don't edit. Actors, actress, you have, have in other movies. It was nominated for Best Picture for a reason years ago. Watch it, and you will never forget it. This is like an Asian person very dangerously learning English. I had five cups of coffee before I was this. <laughs> this is like a soup Nazi without the, uh, the GED. <laughs> Second one. The DVD has no extras, but the movie's in exceptional in many ways. It's three hours long, and the content is such that this long runtime does not take away from the film. A must imho. After I rented it from Redbox, I like how he's giving his uh, buying <laughs> specificities here. 
Unlike in years past, I seldom buy from the primary market anymore. Ooh, a bootlegger. Yeah. yeah. I don't like you because you're dangerous. Naughty. Ice man. Most titles are either bought lo- or either bought used locally or when the opportunity is present when I'm on the road. Like the many days I'm willing to pay three to five dollars. <laughs> you this is why I pull them. Like the many days I'm willing to pay three to five dollars for a day rental are long gone. How about iTunes for two bucks? Long before Blockbuster's demise of paying ten dollars for a used title, the amount I'm willing to part with now is in the range of two to six dollars. Again, I love <laughs> the breakdown of his spending habits, which means he's a cheap fuck. That's why he doesn't buy from the primary market. My mother still washes my genitalia. <laughs> And spread your ass cheeks after you're done taking a dump. Mommy, I'm done! Like my four-year-old does. Clean. Bought this here when the price hit $10. With tax, it would be about $11. Considered for inflation, $13.25. This, this one more. This movie is awesome. Funny and entertaining. Don't watch it with your innocent children. I wouldn't recommend it watching it on a first date either. I would, oh, because yeah. at least you, you're going to get it all, all randy in the mood. Yeah. Especially when she's blowing the Ferrari in the first 30 seconds. You're going to know if you're down for play that night. Will you let me snort coke off your tits, baby? Yeah, oh my God. No? All right. One star user reviews. Again, the Eastville 6 o'clock mic reviews. Now, I there's, some of them I kind of summarized, but everyone who hated this film, 98% of them, vulgarity and sex were the main complaints. So... One guy writes, a ton of people complaining about the vulgarity and sex. Next one. After this, movie was pe- after this movie was pumped up to me so much, I was anxious to see it, but hated it. I did get amusement out of the characters played by Jonah Hill and John Favreau, who had one scene! <laughs> one scene, John Favreau! Is he really going to cause that much of an emotion for you for one scene? Maybe two scenes. The guy really liked Rudy, man. I mean, he was a big uh, um, happy from uh, Iron Man fan, yeah. right? <laughs> I love seeing him pop up places. The movie that, uh, by the way, the food truck movie he did is pretty good. Give that oh, a look. Chef is amazing. I liked it a lot. I uh, loved the original Daredevil. The kid, the kid is annoying as fuck, though. Yeah, but he he's so good throughout the entire. Oh, movie. I love the yeah. film. Yeah, Sophia Vergara. And I, and I and by the way, I love the. Uh, hey, Robert Downey Jr., you owe me for putting you in Iron Man. Now appear in my three scenes here. Yeah. The movie seemed to be at max level for the entire movie, and by that I mean, from start to finish, everything felt like it was pumped up on adrenaline and caffeine for the entirety of it all. This guy is the king of redundancy. I am a huge fan of DiCaprio, but just wasn't feeling this movie. I needed some quiet time after seeing this. That doesn't sound like he thought it was a one star. Right. I felt like that was like a two or a three star. But I, I, I actually think that's a legitimate complaint about the movie. Fair. The, the movie, to me, is a great collection of scenes that's not a movie. But and, see, no, but that's, I feel like that's how his, like, him looking back at his life, it's all these just coked up, crazy moments that were just laced together. To, to me, it's just a masturbatory fantasy of who he thinks he was, strung together in scenes that are incredibly too long. All right, hold on. We'll get to you. We'll get to you. Don't want you to worry. I'm sorry. I'm he just, can't I'm contain himself. You're allowed to expound, but just not in this segment. He's got, he's got sheets of notes that notes, look like man. Trump's I know, he, from t- the impeachment. He took pictures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like the cue card for SNL guy here. The only reason for the star, one star, was to open the comment box. The moral compass of anyone associated with this piece of garbage is definitely pointed in the gay direction of hell. 
And I think this what? person, I think the gay the direction, gay direction of, hell? of hell. No, I'm sorry. I, I, no, I, 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 my, my own thoughts is definitely pointed in direction of hell. I wrote, you know, this person would probably send their kid to gay conversion camp oh, okay. or just on them. <laughs> I put the gay part up there. That's that's me. Next one. Typical Hollywood crap makes business look bad and ignore the corruption, greed, and dangerous laws passed by all levels of government. On top of that, poorly done. No. Looked like the story was made up as they went. No, <laughs> it took place over a year. God, that's why people are done. And it's based off a book. Again, this someone. This is the same person who likes peanuts cartoons. I bet. Uh huh. Okay, what should we do tomorrow? I know. Let's swear a lot and have some nude women run through the set. That sounds like. Great to me. How about Bring you? Bring in the strippers. A typical piece of Hollywood trash. No clue how the economy works or how jobs are created and money is made. A complete farce. I pretty much think that this guy has a good handle how to make this money. It feels like my dad lecturing me about something. Yeah. That first review felt like my mom. This one feels like my dad. And I, everyone watches it think they're going to hell. And I think people who say that, that the film is going to hell say the word cuss instead of curse, <laughs> which makes me not take them seriously. A.C. Moore is here to voice his displeasure on the film. Well, A.C. Moore. A.C. Rowe. I see, oh, my God. A.C. Moore. A. C. I was going to say. Christ, paint. I was going to say. That's Jesus a paint store. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I apologize. Benjamin Moore. A.C. <laughs> Rowe, the floor is yours. So, first of all, for all of the reasons that I should like this movie, it blows my mind that I don't. I mean, it set a record for the most uh, uses of the F word in the history of film. Beating Scarface, the, which we did two episodes the, ago. There's somewhere between 506 and 569 uses of the F word. It's every minute and a half. DiCaprio really likes to say it. words a lot, because in uh, Django Unchanged, he also said, I think, the N-word more than any other movie used it. Yes, I, I would not disagree. That's your safe word, for my understand, correct? Yes. <laughs> so, so, like, I mean, you've got the fact that they're throwing all convention away. I love that. You've got Martin Scorsese, which is amazing. You've got Terrence Winter, who, I mean, uh, Terrence is a friggin' rock star he i mean from the sopranos and everything else that he did it should be good you've got jonah hill john favreau does make a, a, an appearance you've got margot robbie you've got everything that should make a really good movie and you didn't and the the number one problem i have actually throughout the entire thing is candidly leo um leo to me in this movie and in most movies just is not a good actor you, it's like to me, if True North exists at ninety degrees, you, wait. You're saying Leonardo DiCaprio in other movies also isn't a good so actor. I, I've seen Leo be good in Growing Pains. Got it. <laughs> What's eating Gilbert Grape? Never saw it yet. And yeah. Basketball Diaries, and everything else. If, if True North a, a, as a human being is ninety degrees, right? Mm -hmm. If you can show me a full range of emotion within three to four degrees of that, and you can show me the opportunity. When you get happy, there's a moment of recognition. When you get sad, when you get angry, there's a moment of recognition. When you get excited, there's a moment of recognition. Every time in this movie, Leo goes to th this guy's point, go, that review's point, goes from zero to a million, and there's never any in between. That's the first issue that I have with it. Actually, the first issue I have with it is it starts in Act 3. So a movie should start in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. Act 1, get the lead character stuck up the tree. Act 2, throw coconuts at him. Act 3, get the lead character out of the tree. It starts with, and Tracy's scene is not three minutes in because the first five yeah, minutes. Yeah, it, it is further in. The, that, yeah. the, the first five minutes is actually Act 3, right? So we start with a really, really cheap 
flashback that doesn't do anything to advance the plot, advance the story, and actually steals the opportunity for you to tell us a linear story where we actually see who Jordan was at the beginning. Because who Jordan is at the end is not who Jordan is at the beginning. And we get robbed of that in Act 1 by that five-minute a flashback to Act 3, so we understand who Jordan is at the end, but we don't get that opportunity to see him grow, because in the beginning, he is a guy in that Matthew McConaughey scene in the very beginning with the mm, mm-hmm. mm, that, by the way, when, when he does that later on, you can obviously tell that they filmed that after they filmed that scene with Matthew, because he does it wrong when he does it live in his speech. Right, It's like he had never actually heard it. And so there's nothing in that scene that actually advances any part of the movie, that advances any part of Jordan's growth. It robs us again, just like the flashback, of the opportunity to see who he is and what, how he's learning what to do. Because when he gives that speech in the chop shop at the beginning, we never saw how he learned to do those things. And we could have done that had they not done those things in the beginning. If that's something that somebody had actually done in Jordan's life, there's value there. Otherwise, it's the same thing going, you know, Tom Hanks stole Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop from his kid and put it in a movie because they needed something. We're doing the same thing. That scene goes on forever. And the only thing that that scene does is it shows me that there was more depth to Jordan at some point that we don't get to see because he won't even drink the martini that's poured for him. He won't do cocaine. So you're, so you're saying you never get to see him evolve from the, from the good guy to the asshole. So you never get to see him evolve from the good guy to the asshole, but also he will not drink a martini that is poured for him and sitting in front of him in that scene. Four scenes later, four scenes later. Doing crack. He's smoking crack with yeah. Jonah Hill. Yeah. So, so like, it's just, it's a missed opportunity for, with a great writer, with a great director, an amazing cast minus Leo and Christine Milioti, by the way, which she, I know she is like a darling of, of Broadway, but she absolutely was terrible uh, as Johnny Sack's daughter in The Sopranos. And How I Met Your Mother. She killed the last season of How I Met Your Mother, which I think is one of the things, I think they edited out a lot of her scenes. I didn't like that. I didn't like her in that spot. And I mean, she just—I know there's something weird about her face and her teeth. Are just like, Which she, I mean, she just she yeah. didn't bring anything to it. No. And so with that, we also have we, zero pathos for her as a, as a as a as a wife. I mean, the scene in the limo, you're like, ah, he's a piece of shit. But you, you don't really feel like, oh, dude, she's such a cool girl. Why do you have to do that? You know. But see, here's 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 my my counter to your point, and yeah. I think you make you do make a good point. Very and much. I, and I also I hate in movies where. They jump from the start to he can do it now. Just don't worry about it. We're not. We don't need to explain. He can just do whatever it is he needs to do at this point. And I hate that. I I like the training montage. I like saying, oh, he he blood he bled and sweat to to be able to do yeah. whatever it is they're saying he could do. Or he evolved. He worked his way up to crack in the back alley of wherever he was doing with Jonah Hill. But I I always looked at this movie as it was through. Jordan's eyes through the way Jordan looked back on his life and even if it is even even if it is his own amped up roided up version of what he believed he lived I always felt that all that stuff was cut out because it was never important to him he saw that guy that he once was and he was like yeah he was an asshole let me get to the good part yeah so so I I I get it and that gets to my point where it's a it's a great collection of a bunch of scenes that are all too long you know, a scene in a movie should be a minute and a half to two and a half minutes long. That's how long a, a scene, most scenes should be, with the exception of maybe one or two really important things happening inside of that scene. The average scene time in this movie is over three and a half minutes long. And so 
it, it's again, it's it's a great collection of these these pieces together. And you know, you're talking about the training montage. There's just there's never any story development in any of it. It's just clip after clip after clip, and then it goes into this weird fourth act, like they're on Titanic when they're on the boat. Mm. Kind of like as much as I love the movie Stripes. Stripes should almost be two different movies. Well, Stripes, right? the end of Stripes is awful. The yes. second half of Stripes is awful. So, so, so the, yes, I 100% agree. With the, with the tank. But, but this, when they, when they leave and they're on the boat and all of a sudden the boat is sinking and like there's just, there's no reason for that. And I, you mentioned something earlier. I loved this movie the first time I saw it when it was called Boiler Room. Like because Boiler Room is this story. It was told from the perspective of somebody that worked for you know yeah. Thomas Everett Scott was supposed right. to be Jordan Belfort. I, I I really loved that story at this point. But this one, even his relationship with Margot, while you do start start to see a couple of little clips, a couple of little changes, he, he's the guy that's in love with his wife. And we know, ne- I mean, there are some hookers, but we never get to see that change. We're, we are deprived that story inside of the way that this is told to understand why the minute he sees her, he has to have her at a party that his wife is, is at. And I mean, I'm, I'm glad that he did because it creates, you know, some really fun scenes, you know, later on. But those are the pieces. There's just, there's no development. There's no character growth, any change. And there's, you guys are familiar with the concept of Chekhov's gun, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, people listening, if you don't know, it basically you know, Anton Chekhov said, look, if there is a gun on the wall in the first chapter, that gun better go off at some point and shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, the inverse is true. If as somebody well. in a movie sneezes, somebody's going to die of a cold shortly that's, thereafter. That's right. If, if somebody coughs, they're sick and they're dying. Yeah. But the inverse is true as well. If I've never seen the gun, the gun can't go off. The gun can't just shoot somebody if I hadn't seen it. And there are so many things in this movie that are the inverse of Chekhov's gun. We do not ever get to see why he, you know, what changed that he's doing drugs, what changed that he left his wife. Why is all of that going on other than Margot Robbie's just incredibly but you But you don't think that when he smokes crack with uh, Jonah Hill, that was kind of the gateway moment to get him to start at the fucking path but, but, with smoking drugs or doing the drugs? But, but why? And like in that scene, you don't even get to see him so, struggle. So what? Yeah, I was gonna say, what if in that scene, when he, uh, when Jonah Hill goes, because I almost, I, mean, I just, I just watched this movie, not even knowing we were doing this. Um, it's not even one hundred percent clear that that moment where they go do crack is in the same moment that when he, when Jonah Hill calls his boss and says, "I quit." It almost feels like it's a different. It's, it, it feels like a di- it's a different moment. I, I do think it's a different moment, but we didn't see what transpired we didn't see what happened and in that scene i I think you were about to ask what if we had seen some challenge some angst what if yeah what if he what if jonah was like you got to smoke this crack and he's like i don't do that and he's like come on you're a big guy now you got to do crack if we had if that had happened sure but all all he says is i'll do one hit and he does it, and it's obvious it's the first time he's ever done it because he's like, oh, my God. Like, it blew his mind that and he it, did it. And you know what? It's a good point. It's crack. Right. It's not even like weed. Yeah, it's Like, crack. he's never done drugs before, and somebody's like, here, take a hit of this, you know, with this bong. And you'd be like, all right. It's crack. Yeah. Like, crack is, like, you. he just jumped a few levels. Few. <laughs> went to the top of the skyscrapers, but he did. And four scenes before, he wouldn't even drink a martini. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like, so, so, I mean, like. Bit of a leap, you're saying. A bridge, a bridge too far. Absolutely. Okay. I, uh, while you look at your page of notes here, I had a couple of here I was going to throw in here. The first thing, the opening scene, it made me yearn for the days of midget tossing before PC culture made it taboo. 
I miss midget sauce. Oh, midget. yeah. Rubbing a midget in Vegas is good luck, <laughs> especially if I see him in the airport, the taxi land, that's going to be a good time. Oh, no. So uh, just, I mean, like, there, again, there are little things throughout the entire movie. Uh, his wife nags him one time. She nags him one time about his business model. And what does he do? He changes the entire business model. Like, she nags him. She's like, don't you think you should be stealing from rich people instead of poor people? And all of a sudden, he's pulling together that team with Kenneth Choi and Ethan Supley and everybody else. It's the, the show me the pin thing. That bothers me, too, because, one, that, that's a question that's asked in every sales interview ever. Um, and most people don't understand what the purpose of that is. That's a, It's that, funny. Mike Rowe, yeah. there's a whole, there was a whole podcast where Mike Rowe did. And and when he went to audition, because he, he started off on QVC. Yeah. And he went in, and they said to him, sell me this pencil. And they rolled a pencil over to him. And he sat and he went through the he, – he said he spent 30 minutes talking about a pencil. And he could see them. They were, like, looking around wondering when he was going to stop. And he, they, they said nobody's ever – because he went through, like, where the graphite was made, why the wood was made, why, why it's, like, recyclable and this whole thing. And they were – at the end, they were like, nobody ever spent that much time talking about the pencil. Well, and, they talked about what the pencil could do. Well, Great. And, now, here's a job. You get to go up to your knees and shit <laughs> and pick stuff out of it and tell, talk to these backward-ass people making 20 grand a year why it's fun to go through a, a, you know, a water filtration plant. I'm, I'm sorry. I was thinking about my micro standing in the water filtration plant there for a second. Uh, and then all, a nice this, picture, huh? all, all of a sudden I saw you standing up to your knees in, in, in fecal matter there. Oh, I would love to see that. Um, well, Go to an Eagles game. You'll see plenty of it. <laughs> Boom! Uh. So, so, but, but, but with that, like she, she, one time she nags him. He changes his entire business model. We don't see anything other than just this weird jump cut to a scene where he's doing it. You know what? And and it's it's that's that's actually a good point because when I was when I was just watching it, uh, I thought, and I don't think it even they even it even happens in the scene when he said when she says, "Why don't you you know why don't you take advantage of rich people?" You never see him like that 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 like light bulb go off in his head. If they and I was and I I it's funny because I was like, "Is that what he starts doing next?" Yep. And it and it did go to that, and I was like, "Why didn't they just show him kind of like look off and be like?" Huh. There should be something, yeah, some yeah, sort that's, of that's a good point. Some sort of realization, and then it immediately goes into the on the phone montage that I wish had started at the beginning, where he's learning how to do the sale. And again, I, I do think in the beginning, if he just picked up a couple of different lines from people, and it ended with him sitting in the chop shop on the phone closing his first deal where he goes for the close, which they kind of do for the new guys as he's training yep, them yep. and they're learning. But you know, that entire scene is lifted from boiler room. Yeah. Like, like, like there's a line in there where he says, I'm not going to make you rich. Uh, I'm not going to make you rich. I'm not going to make you poor. But then he also goes on to say, don't, I, I ask people not to judge me on my winners. Yep. Yeah. Judge me on my losers because I have so few. That's Vin Diesel. Yeah. When he is yeah. He's on, on the, the phone. phone. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the entire scene is lifted from Boiler Room, which, in all fairness, lifted without paying Jordan Belfort the, the you know, yes. his life story Correct. for the movie. But, but, but this, like, it, it does that. And, but, you, and you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I was actually waiting for him and I got the two movies confused because I was waiting for him to go, you never pitch the bitch. Right. Because he was, at one point he's talking about that. I don't care if your wife call, if your wife answers. And I was waiting to say, oh, this is when he says, you don't pitch the bitch. Yeah, that's, and that's then he never did Katz. it. I was like, oh, that was Boiler Room. That right. was not this movie. It's Nikki Katz on Giovanni yeah. Rabisi's yep. very first day. Now, here's something, I, I, like, I rewatched this this morning. Um, that I never realized before, and I do have to fact check, but I am pretty certain that episode of The Equalizer that that that, that Robert <laughs> that his dad was watching. That his dad was watching. Do you know who the the actor on the screen in that that episode of The Equalizer was? No, I am pretty certain that Steve Buscemi. 
Like Holy there's shit. a Steve Buscemi cameo. No, that was Steve Buscemi. Yeah. But I don't. I thought that was set up. I thought that wasn't an actual episode of The Equalizer. That I don't know. I think I they just him. did that to be fun. I'm I thought like, that was like crap, a... I never watched Equalizer. I wasn't paying that attention to that scene that closely. I don't think that was a real... I thought... Because that stuck out to me too when I was like, oh, I think they did this just for the movie. Uh, I don't think it was a real episode. Uh, I could be wrong. Well, I'm, I'm not certain. It's kind of like where um, Selma Hayek in Four Rooms is the dancer on the room that... Um, the Antonio Banderas kids where the hooker's dead in the bed. She's the stripper on the right. TV. Was that a real thing or did they do it just for that movie? Yeah. Or was that Dust Till Dawn? I forgot. It was four rooms before or after Dust Till Dawn. I, I saw four rooms once. I wasn't impressed and I kind of filtered it out. So I, I think four rooms was before from Dust Till Dawn. Um, I really enjoyed parts of four rooms. I didn't enjoy the Madonna um, scene, but I really enjoyed Tim Roth and the kids with the dead hooker in the bed. The Quentin Tarantino cutting the thumb off, like like those. I never saw were, it. Yeah, never saw it. But anyway, so yeah. so we're we're running um, kind of away from Wolf of Wall Street, not on purpose, but because uh, there's just so many fun things to talk about <laughs> inside of there. Um, the, to me, the whole thing feels like poorly done improv. I, I think there are scenes where Terrence Winter came in and he said, "All right, you know what? Just do your best impression of." a weird version of The Sopranos. Like, where she's like, I just put Bermuda grass on the lawn. It sounded like something Carmelo would be beating up on Tony about. And there are scenes that just go on and on, like the scene where Rob Reiner first comes in and they're talking about the, the American Express card. Like, the, the scenes go on with no point, no purpose, and again, they're all just too long. I think, I hear you. Those are, these are some good points. I think I'm more forgiving and not picking up on these nuances you are because I already know maybe more of the background because I've read the book so many fucking times. So I, I'm, and again, those, those are all fine. Those are all fair points. Again, I just think, I I remember that from the book. So I'm not as, as unforgiving as you are, which I see, but I think that's what I get. The accent, are you talking about Margot Robbie with the, Margot with the Robbie's accent is terrible. Well, she's supposed to be from Bay Ridge. I mean, that's like the, that's almost Staten Island, but like, it's so bad. It makes you want to poop your own. Have dick you spoken to somebody bad. from Bay Ridge? Yeah. 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 It's a terrible accent. But, but so if you can't, it is a bad accent, but if you can't put it on and make it believable, just don't give me an accent. And I mean, Leo's accent is terrible at the beginning of the movie and somehow miraculously just goes away throughout the movie. Like Carrie Fisher in the first 10 minutes of Star Wars where she goes English <laughs> and then all of a sudden she never not. fails that one. Yeah, yeah, she forgets that one. Um, and, and Margot Robbie's goes away uh, you know, somewhat throughout. But it's like in the beginning in both of their scenes where they first start to talk, it's just incredibly fake. And, you know, I, it, being a guy from the South, I hear a lot of bad fake Southern accents that I think get in the way of people acting. And if, my accent's if, great. I don't know what you're talking about. If if you just will give us that performance without worrying about that, you can actually give us depth that that that's not there when you're so tied up. In tra- it's kind of like what they did with uh, with Chernobyl, right? Um, they all are British, yeah. You know, and w- which is great because they wouldn't have Russian accents. They'd be speaking right, Russian, speak, yes. right? And, and so they they filmed for two days, and they're like, "This is terrible." Like, like we're not getting a good performance from anybody. So what they did was they were like, "Just be be who you are, be British." I would have much rather have seen that. Well, I mean, Margot Robbie could. Yeah, have I wouldn't been want British. her to see yeah, an Australian uh, accent um, or Australian, but. If if they had just not tried to put it on so heavy, I think it might have been a little bit more believable. But at the end of the day, I don't believe in him. His motivational speeches are terrible. Again, there's never a single moment in that. Even the times he gets happy, he gets sad, he gets angry. 
even when he's getting drunk or he's getting high or whatever it is, you never see the progression to that, especially in his motivational speeches. The worst being, I think, when he's on the balcony and he's screaming and yelling into the microphone. There's no real performance there. It's just him yelling. And, and go ahead. I th- here's the thing, too. I think it's a victim of its own success. And by that, I mean... Back to Boiler Room. The Boiler Room rah-rahs are fucking great. Oh, yeah. man. They are ben killing Affleck. it. Exactly. Ugh. He kills it. So it's like that horse has already been let out of a barn. So if they were to do that same exact kind of you know, staccato, the, the high the, the high energy pitch the entire time, they're going to go, ah, this is fucking Boiler Room. But for most people who don't know that that's what it's lifted from, right. they want to avoid that same stereotype. And had to go a separate way. So that's, I think, why they didn't. They made that choice. But what you could have done is you could have started by showing me a story of a guy who's struggling just a little bit. I didn't need to see the, the cocaine being snorted out of the hooker's ass. Like, I didn't. Like, later on, maybe. But to start with, like, give me a real story. Give me a real challenge that this person's going through. So I care about their success. And then when they get arrested, either I hate them so much I want them to get arrested or I care that you're like, man, he just got caught up in stuff. And I understand, like, show me that path where I either hate him or I go, it's understandable how he got here. So in the second book, he does get in a lot of it. So he used to be, I, I've only read, I haven't read in a while, he used to sell ices on yeah. the beach. He also sold meats door to door and created, that's where he really started the business building yep. portion of that. So, and again, in the, in the sake of editing and, and trying to be, succinct in a three-hour film uh they couldn't have that in there could they've had a five ten minute five minute scene maybe showing him building his you know building his business chops sure and then they could have cut out certain scenes like the fucking ham choking scene which i that took so long the whole quite the whole lemon thing is in the book and he goes through that which is fine go high on the lemons come back from making the phone call talking to Bo Deedle. Again, also that happened. But we don't need the whole hand. That was five minutes. I'm like, Jesus age Christ, let's fucking cut that. So that, again, I see your point. They could have done, that was another book, but it doesn't help that's not in the film. But they, you do see and then understand, okay, he's how, here's how he became good, building his chops. His wife, again, had a lot more of a role in the second book. But again, not in the film, so it doesn't count. I get I, it, though. I, I, and That's I, just for back. I also think you've made some great points. A lot of our guests weren't unable to make such cogent points. but Nice word. Uh, yeah. Nice word. I had to search for it for a sec. Um, <laughs> but I have to say that I watch this movie, and I always – and I feel – and I, I mean, it, cl- it clearly is. The movie's supposed to be through the eyes of Jordan and through – and, and there, there's two competing factors. Well, not even competing factors. There's two simultaneous factors. Scorsese wanted to make a movie that was – Close to the book that wanted he wanted to stick to the source material. Very close. So all of his films do because Casinos. I read both Casino and Goodfellas. Very yeah. very close. All of them. So he wanted that mission accomplished. But also the movie is you're you're seeing it through this guy's eyes, and I'm and I think and the the bad accent and and maybe not intentionally, but I think like the bad accent. His memory of you know of her and the way she is and the way his wife and his his original wife suddenly just just becoming this kind of obnoxious nag where she didn't seem to really be like that before. I think it's all you're all supposed to be like oh I'm living in this guy's eyes I'm seeing it how he remembers it and he remembers weird things in his life and these weird moments and these things are what was important to him 
And it all just kind of snowballed and snowballed until you got to this crazy moment in the boat, which was just like, what's happening? And it was almost it was almost like a, a, an analog for his life, what was happening in his life right then. He was in a storm. He's out of control. He was in something that was bigger than what, anything he ever deserved. And it was all fucking going down. And so that whole this whole movie, this whole ride you went on, which was really just a compilation of scenes. Almost each scene is like almost like a short little story was the way he saw his life and the, how he saw what he saw is important to him. And, you know, like to me, th- th- like that's a fair assessment, but there's no real moments in there at all in any of it. Um, and I, I think, you know, if, if we're being honest and we're really talking about, you know, remembering our life. Right. And I, I think we all would have these crazy hyper, you know, exaggerated versions of what really happened, because that's how we remember it. And, you know, we want to be the big guy. We want to be the one who won the fight. We want to be the guy who won the football game. There are real moments inside of that where you'll remember something important and sincere and give me some sort of reason to be part of wanting to know you or wanting to understand why I care. Yeah, I took a stripper to Great Adventure. That was an important moment. You did? That's an important moment. Nitro? But uh, but none, Water park. But none of that. There, there's never a real moment inside of, of, of any of that. And, you know, one thing that I did leave out that I think is a reason we should all like, again, it's another reason I should like the movie. It's an independent film that was made with stolen money from the Malaysian. Uh, I just fund. read a book about that guy. Jay Lowe, his name is Millennium. Is it Millennium or no, Red Granite, right? Yeah, Red, Red Granite. Granite. Stole all this money to be this this wannabe playboy hung out with Paris Hilton and, uh, um, oh my God, fucking uh, Lindsay Lohan. And he had the whole chasing and courting of Leonardo and of the film and the whole, you're exactly right. I was going to get in that, get in that they, later, but go ahead, had, you got this. They had to settle with the U.S. government without admitting any wrongdoing. They gave $60 million back to the government, because which is amazing that our government took $60 million that wasn't stolen from them. It was stolen from somebody else, and they kept it. <laughs> which is absolutely amazing. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, but, but no, <laughs> they, they they did. They took $60 million from the Malaysian uh, wow. Wealth Fund to make the movie. Uh, so again, like there are all of these things that make me want to pull for it, but just at the end of the day, I think it's a good compilation of a bunch of scenes that are all too long, that don't go anywhere, acted poorly by Leo. Um, and, and as much as I love Scorsese and Terrence Winter, not well written and not well Fair directed. assessment. Ferris, uh, I had a couple more notes here, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, I wish there was more McConaughey. Love him in this. You know what? And and I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I want to say, and I could be wrong, I think he was filming Dallas Buyers Club during. They, I think they I think brought him right. in while he was filming it. Yeah, he's amazing. They just wanted him in that. They wanted him in that for that scene. So, so I mean, he had what two scenes? The one in the trading floor, and then in the restaurant, right? And that was it. And I think that was all he was able to give them. Yeah, I mean, he's so. I think he's so great in this. You know, the only thing missing was like a, a Lincoln and a rambling soliloquy oh, the entire time. We didn't get an all right, all right, all right. Yeah, you I know, know. You, you, a fugazi, 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 whatever. It's, it's, it doesn't it's, matter. It's fairy dust. It, <laughs> That, John Bern- that is a good speech. John Bernthal is the perfect oh, prototypical so Long Island douchebag fuckface. So Jonah Hill, perfect the Long Island annoying Jewish guy. The whole the, the veneers and the whole oh, I love that. You wanted him to get punched in the face, and he did. And actually, another fun fact bonus: Bernthal actually punched. He said, "Punch me for real," and he blasted him open to the point where he had to get his his his, 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 his veneers fixed. Amen. Yeah. The scene that always bothered me with Jonah Hill was when he goes up to him in the diner. And he goes, 
you show me a paycheck for seventy thousand dollars, I'll come work for you. Yeah, yeah. Of course you will. Yeah. Like, why is that an offer? Yeah. yeah, like that. That makes no. Like, yeah, if I go up to anybody and be like, if you can pay me this much, I'll come work for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. DiCaprio's <laughs> no, no, no. You can come work for me, but I get to fuck you in your butt. <laughs> well, you know, there is one line in there I think is great where he's like, "Well, actually, it's seventy-two thousand dollars last month." Yeah, like, like, like that. I am like, okay, yeah, that's that, that's pretty strong. Yeah, I'm being honest with with my you know statements here, um, and I actually wrote out my. My uh, Mount Rushmore of hot films moments. Uh, Denise Richards, Wild Things. Number one. Strong. Shannon Elizabeth, American Pie, as I mentioned before. The two I forgot to mention. Erica Laniac, Under Siege. That's good. Yeah, goddamn right it is. Oh, yeah. When Teddy's out of the yeah. cake. And, of course, everyone's favorite, and you can't go wrong, the, probably the most jerked-off scene in all-time history of films, Phoebe Cates, American Pie. I'm sorry, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Although the super rapey tones in the end, but nonetheless, Phoebe Cates still makes my dick hard. Well. I'm glad you're on that side of the table. <laughs> We're not watching it now. Trust me, it's AC. not going to reach you. Kevin Israel, did he make a dent in your opinion? He of- did make me think. Well done. Well done. You did make me think. You did make me question it. He did not change my mind that it's a great movie. But, uh, but you made some awesome points, and you obviously prepared some good arguments. On a 1 to 10 AC, where, give me a number 1 to 10 for this film, in your opinion. I, I mean, I, I'd give it a 3. Wow. Wow. And and I would say go back and watch it now with those points and see if you can watch it and feel the same. I just can't watch it. I just watched it two weeks ago. I can't watch it. It's a three hour commitment. Yeah. (laughs) Two two hours, 59. 58, yeah. They had just a tick under. You're right. But but yeah, three. And I'm I'm stretching to get to a three. What about you, Mr. Goatee? I I enjoyed it. Again, I'm a a homer. Again, I read the book so many times. I love it. The book, the film being so true to it, you already had me there when you at least keep the integrity of the book. Yes, you do make some fantastic points. Yes, no one's going to argue it's not too long. Uh, I don't mind films that are long, as long as they don't drag. There are uh, the ham sandwich alone scene. I was like, God fucking damn it. Uh, there are three other scenes I think I got to think off the top of my head which they are, but there are other ones I know and I go ah can we cut can we just cut you know two forty five you I could have walked out of there and been a, and just you know none the wiser I think you make some good points you're not going to change my mind uh, I still I give it a solid seven seven and a half That's fair. right around there let me ask you something this is going to be completely out of left field yeah do you think Animal House was a good movie love Animal House. That's right. interesting. It's interesting that you made that argument for, because, really, if you go back and watch Animal House, it's just a bunch of scenes that's strung together, and there's barely a plot that goes through them. So there is, Same thing with Caddyshack. There is, yes. Well, Caddyshack wasn't even supposed to be that movie. Right. There is a difference in movies that you saw as a kid, you saw as a teenager, and the fondness that you have for them. Um, I've not gone back and looked at it you know, with that kind of microscope. Uh, I'm going to have to now. And I do love Caddy. I, I, I do um, love Animal House. But, right, me but, too. But this came out, what, 2013? Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's it's top of mind. It's something sure. that I okay. saw with, you know, after I had sold my first television show and done things like that. Um, that, that makes a difference. Um, but I'll have to go back and watch Animal House. If for no other reason, watch Blue Doe. <laughs> Get it? AC Row, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at AC underscore Row and on Twitter at am not Kevin Bacon. Oh, you certainly are not Kevin Bacon. I am not Kevin Bacon. Kind of wish you were. It'd be kind of fun, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, would be. Cool. Then we'd make fun of Kevin Bacon. Only one degree. We did a shoot. I did a commercial shoot um, with a bunch of comics from about a month or two ago for Nathan's Hot Dogs. And we're walking down the street. I was about three steps behind another guy I know, Nick Simmons, and he looks at me and goes, "Dude." That's Kevin Bacon. Like crossing the street, I look. I go, oh, it is. He goes, I just had an encounter with him. I go, what happened? He goes, he goes. I go, Bacon. 
And he looks at me with such disgust in his face, and he's like, "You're right. I deserve that look." And then Kevin, <laughs> and I saw Kevin Bacon like crossing the street. I'm like, "That is Kevin Bacon." <laughs> that's amazing. So that's uh, my tie-in. Kevin Israel, where can we find you? KevinIsrael.com on Twitter at KevinIsrael underscore NJ, and uh, you can check me out at Catch a Rising Star for New Year's Eve. I'll be headlining. It's gonna be an awesome show. So come out to that and check out my album, "The Struggle Is Real," on iTunes. Kevin Goatee, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Fantasy football jibber-jabber. We are closing up the regular season. Playoffs are right around the corner, kids. Check us out for all of our top plays and my bets. Guess what? 64% against the spread. And don't forget, gutting the sacred cow, please. Five stars and a written review. We go through this every time, and I've only had two new written reviews. We do all of this work for you. Do just a little bit for us. Go on our Facebook page. Ask us questions. We are very fast to respond. Want to hear a movie? You want us to break down? We'll throw it out there. But, you know, the comics pick their uh, their films. We've got some good ones coming up. Last Jedi, Dante Nero will be back here in, in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about that. Maybe someone's got the balls coming in and do The Last Skywalker. We'll see. Or maybe The Irishman, which drops in a few days, right? Any with, thought? Any thoughts? What's a guest? Jeff Paul. Jeff, Jeff Paul, the guy who took down Spaceballs. How do you think, real, real fast, how do you think that got, that's going to end up, The Irishman? I, the book I was bored out of my mind with. I did not like the book. You know, everything I've heard about it um, has been good. A couple of my friends have seen some screeners. They really like it. They've gone to some viewings. I, I'm, I'm skeptical of the aging, um, you know, how they, they, yeah. they went back and made everybody young, how that's not going to look hokey. I am worried that it's too long, but we get to watch it at home. So a bottle of wine and a pause button, I think, might make it um, watchable and, and maybe a really good movie. Uh, I've heard it does drag a bit, but they're saying this is the best since Goodfellas Casino. They're saying wow. this is the third or even fourth best because uh, Scorsese right. film. Mildly optimistic. I'm mildly hesitant. I'm excited. So I think we're actually in the same place. Yeah, <laughs> I would say so. Cool. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, AC Rowe, thank you for coming in, hanging out with us. Great arguments. We'll see you guys later. Remember, five-star review and a written review. Thanks so much, guys. See you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.